0: The more you spend time in an uncomfortable zone, the more comfortable that uncomfortable zone becomes. One of the reasons why most of our athletes are not confident in an artistic manner on the floor is that they don't have enough artistic training behind them to feel confident. Artistic preparation and artistry training needs to be as much of in the curriculum as any other apparatus
1: needs to be. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Roddick, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events, and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 31 of the Gymnastics Growth Show podcast with international choreographer and artistic preparation specialist Anastasia Yume. Canadian born Stacey, as she is most commonly known, is the founder of the movement based consultancy company, The Creative Movement Group. She's an internationally renowned specialist in artistry training, creative movement and artistic preparation for sport. Stacey has provided gymnastics, artistic preparation and choreographic services to hundreds of teams and individuals worldwide, including choreographing the gold medal winning routine by Lauren Mitchell, 2010 World Floor Champion, and also working with members of the Australian, Chinese, Singaporean and Japanese women's artistic gymnastics teams. Stacy has spent over 35 years in Canada, Australia, the US, Singapore and Japan, working with both elite and developing athletes alike, assisting them to maximise their physical potential. She's also an academy expert for the FIG. Stacy is probably the most energetic person that I know with an infectious enthusiasm for what she does, and she's very good at it too. Her energy certainly comes across in this episode, which I'm sure you're going to love. We talk in depth about the importance of confidence and performance amongst other choreography and artistry related topics. And much of the discussion is also transferable to other disciplines, not just the women's artistic audience that are listening. If you're listening on your phone, take a screenshot, stick it up on social media and use the hashtag gymnastics growth. I'd love to know what you think also. So send me a DM or comment on the post on Instagram or Facebook. Here's episode 31 with Stacey Umay. Okay, guys, uh, really pleased to welcome Stacey Ume onto the podcast today. So thank you very much, Stacey. Oh, my goodness.
0: I'm so excited to be here. We have been honestly talking about this. I think it's actually been for two years, haven't we?
1: <laughs> yeah, it has. I'm sorry. It's my fault.
0: <laughs> no, 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 Paul, no apologies at all. I think everything happens at the time that it's meant to happen. So I'm so pleased to be here with everybody, honestly and truly.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I've, I've, we've, I don't know, I've seen you last year. I've seen you recently in November and then probably the year before. And every time I see you, I, I say, we must do a podcast together. And actually I, I I took all my podcasting equipment with me to Sydney recently with all with the intentions of getting it done. But you know how drained we are at the end of the day about delivering and doing the education and the sessions and particularly with of the energy course. that you give. So it, there's never really a good time to, uh, to get into a, a podcast after all that. But um, here we are. Oh,
0: well, um, we, and I have to say, actually, surprisingly, I'm actually talking from my house, <laughs> which I'm often never here. So this is the perfect opportunity to get full Stacey energy. <laughs> <I've been>
2: <laughs> oh,
1: L- listeners, you have been warned. <laughs> stacy's mm-hmm. energy is off the scale which is uh yeah which is uh, obviously very very good for the line of work that you're in um which we're gonna obviously get onto. so on a serious note thank you very much it's an honor to have you on the podcast um i'm looking forward to the uh the, well, the conversation but also the the teachings that you're able to share with the community so uh, thank you very much for being um or making the time to, to be here and i'm glad that you're at home getting some rest from your busy schedule. So why don't we lead with that? Let's talk about who Stacy is, kind of what she does. Um, apart from this kind of present moment, what the day to day kind of life of, of Stacy actually is.
0: All right. Well, what, what do I say about myself? Um, people call me Anastasia. Well, my mother calls me Anastasia cause that's my name. Um, and I am currently living in Perth, Australia. Um, but I am Canadian. I was born and bred in Toronto, Canada, and I got out here in 1999 after I was headhunted by the amazing Peggy Liddick, um to go and work in the Queensland High Performance Program. At that point in time, it was. The the year leading up to the 2000 Sydney Olympics, um, and they needed a, a coach choreographer to go in and work with the girl who ended up being our top Olympian, um, Lisa Skinner, and that was an incredible, incredible journey in time. Um, and look, I. Honestly, when I go through customs and I have to fill out what's my job description, um, I almost feel like a crazy person. So I would call myself a coach. I call myself a choreographer. I call myself a business person. I call myself an entrepreneur. Sometimes I call myself a teacher. Um, and I guess I am all of those things. Uh, what does my daily life look like when I'm not in an airport and not on a plane Um It is all about me at this particular moment in time. This iteration of me is all about me providing artistry, training and artistic preparation services and assistance to athletes pretty much around the world. So I spent a lot of time in Australia, but I also spent a lot of time in places like Japan. I've done work with the Chinese national team. I've done work in Singapore. I've done work in Canada. Um, And I guess in some ways, I guess it's like a, Artists (laughs) sans frontières. I I was a dancer and a gymnast and somehow fell into this current role, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, my day-to-day looks – as crazy and simple as I suppose it can. I'm often in one gym, I'm either doing lecturing or we're doing workshops or doing classes, or I will be working with coaches or I'll actually be doing choreography. Um, yeah, I guess it's really varied.
1: Very diverse.
0: Thank you. That is a lovely way to say it. Thank you. Yeah.
1: And it's often the pretty typical kind of scenario for coaches. I mean, not too dissimilar to myself as well as a consultant that would be, you know, um, maybe not right now because I've kind of reduced my international work, but yeah, traveling Mm -hmm. around the world, you could be doing a whole range of different things depending on who the audience is and and what their, what their needs are, whether it's a club or a federation. um, That's correct. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Um, do you have a, like a particularly favorite location to spend time in and uh, and deliver work, you know, whether that's Japan or, or China, for example, or different oh, part of the world? Favorite.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? Honestly, one of my favorite places is Japan. I have been going back and forth for, oh my goodness, almost 14 years now. Mm. Um, and it's a place that... Uh, Strangely enough, I feel I can I can be my most authentic self, okay. um, which is which I find is is quite an interesting thing because obviously you know the, the everybody in Japan they're they're very open and, and very accepting and, and allowing for me to come in and work with them but you know obviously language is a challenge the culture mm. is is quite different to my culture but I I just love it I just feel like I can be my brain it's almost very zen like my brain is really quiet so that I, I often do so much creative work there okay. um, and the people there my friends and, and and my colleagues there are magnificent so that is definitely one of my favorite places to be.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. The um, Japan were my uh, the Japanese national team. So one of my first clients back in 2014, I think it was end of That's 2014. Right. And, yeah, uh, yeah, amazing people. Had the same reflections really. Um, just uh, a really in- interesting, different experience from what I've been used to traveling in other countries because the culture is so different. So uh, yeah, I learned a lot, and it was great spending time with the with the coaches there that I'm still in contact Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, have you got any, or uh, for the listeners say, you know, some of the routines that we would recognize as being a Stacy routine on the world? Oh. Whoa,
0: I have to think, I really have to think about this um, going back a few years. So I guess, I suppose I have to say, um, I, along with a, a team of us, worked with Lauren Mitchell um, mm-hmm. for 2009 and 2010. So 2010 is when she won her world championship on floor. Um, and I'm, I, I, uh, I'm, st- I'm almost still speech- speechless to think that, you know, that was part, that was some of my, cho- that was my choreography. Yeah. You know, like, I, what can I Very say? Cool. I, I just, yeah. Um, I have actually worked with my younger sister, Stella, um, for many years and in many um, different iterations of her career. And so her elite career, when she was on the Canadian team, we did a few routines. And then when she moved on to college and went to UCLA, I did a number of her routines there. Um, of, of recent times, um, I have worked with the Chinese national team. So Chan San Sung, um, I did her routine. In fact, I did a lot of the Chinese girls sort of. 2014, 2015, 2016. And that, again, was an amazing experience. Um, Louis Ting Ting, I did her routine. Um, currently now, I've done Georgia Godwin's um, last two routines. Nice. Uh, she is, yes, she is, well, I mean, we'll see. But she, I mean, she's qualified herself to Tokyo. Um, she's at the moment Australia's sole qualifier. Um, so that's been a real, yeah, a real honor. to Excellent. Honest
1: yeah congratulations yeah. to you very 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 thank cool you. Work. um yeah, are there thank you. just just linking back to japan um obviously in most cases within their culture expression is not something that becomes it comes very natural to them um you That's know right. so is that has that been a challenge for you when you've been in japan to try and extract a more um well yeah just more expression in their in their work because it's not something that is is typical to them in, in just in everyday life and culture. It's
0: actually well it's actually really interesting because I think you could also say that about Australians. And I don't mean it in a in a in a tough way. I just mean Australians are actually quite a reserved mm. people, especially when it comes to artistic moments on the floor. Yeah. Um, and in particular in gymnastics, we have often, for many years, we have very beautiful, clean lines. We're very, it's almost, we're like cool, calm, and collected. Um, you, wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't call Australians fiery. Um, and, and the Japanese are the same. And yet one of the beautiful things that I love about working with the people that we work with is everybody has one head. Everybody has two arms. Everybody has two legs. Everybody has a beating heart. And culture shapes those things, but there's something innate in all of us. There's something innate in us that is moved by music, moved actually by facial expressions and Mm -hmm. eye contact. And... Because I'm not Japanese, in fact, there are a lot of things that I can actually get away with. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I, there's a lot of social norms that I don't necessarily have to follow because obviously I don't look Japanese. So it then allows for the children and the athletes that I work with to also step outside of their cultural norms just for the time that they're with me and the time that they're on the floor to almost create another persona. Um, and I think that has been the key to my longtime collaboration with the athletes in that country for sure.
1: Yeah. Very cool. So let's talk about confidence in general. Um, Mm -hmm. because obviously this is a massive part of, you know, performing, which is essentially what, we're trying to get an athlete to do, isn't it? It's to, to step up on a a stage and perform. Um, Mm -hmm. so confidence is obviously, um, well, I want to get your perspective, you know, where does confidence come from and what what are the things that are stopping our, us or our athletes or some athletes being confident when they step up onto the stage?
0: Well, can I be honest? You know, when, when as coaches, we say to athletes, I want you to go out there and be confident. Mm. Confidence isn't something you put on. Confidence is something you earn. So confidence is like a brick, you know, it's a wall. Every single great performance, every single moment that you've taken to know that you've got something or you you you've you've mastered something you understand something that then helps your confidence grow so one of the reasons i think i'm i feel very strongly about this actually one of the reasons why most of our athletes are not confident in an artistic manner on the floor is that they don't have enough artistic training behind them to feel confident So they sometimes feel a little foolish or they sometimes feel underprepared or they sometimes feel exposed and vulnerable because I believe artistic preparation and artistry training needs to be as much of in the curriculum as any other apparatus needs to be. And in many organizations, that's actually not the case so, and, and of course, then we are off we 're often saying to young athletes, "You know, you know, I want you to control your emotions, but you know please don 't cry, no, no, no no, and how they interpret that is don't show your emotions, yeah, so for many, many years, we tell them don't show your emotions, don 't feel this, don 't do that, I know that 's not what we mean, but sometimes that 's how it 's perceived, and then all of a sudden, fourteen, okay. Turn it on now. (laughs) Where's your emotion, honey? Where's your showmanship? Where's your whatever? Um, That's really, being being an artist is really a vulnerable place to be. You're exposing a really sensitive part of yourself. Mm. And, And we have to, as coaches, really nurture that sensitive side for athletes and help them know that no matter how they look, no matter what they do, It's beautiful and wonderful, and we can help them refine it so it fits within the parameters of what our rules are. But at the end of the day, they are beautiful, and they are amazing, and that is what makes them the artists that they are. And they're special because everybody's unique, and everybody has something that will... I don't know, spark our imagination if we, as coaches and, and the people that work with these young people, dig down and help them find that and help it blossom. Amazing.
1: So you're basically saying that, and I agree completely, that confidence is a byproduct of preparation. Um, and, and and, very yep. in, in this case, very specific preparation you mentioned artistic preparation, artistry training um so the conference is going to be a byproduct, and I totally agree i 've written a blog post about this before that you know people will use the language you know just be more confident um, yes. I want you to go out there and be as confident as you can, and actually, what they 're saying is they want them to be um expressive or be ag- aggressive or you know confidence is the byproduct of those things or the appearance of confidence is the byproduct. So I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, um, you know, we've got to change our language to, to, to athletes and not tell them to be more confident. We've got to train them to feel it themselves. You know, it's intrinsic. That's right. I, I, I can't tell you to be more confident. You can suddenly feel it. But I can actually say
0: this, and I do say this to kids, I want you to look more confident Yeah, <laughs> looking and feeling are completely are two completely different things. And there is, I suppose those of us that work in the artistic preparation space will completely understand that mm. you can full elongated body posture, you know, chin up, shoulders down, chest up, ribs flat, standing strongly in your space, breathing deeply strong focused eye contact that is, is what confidence looks like. So we can actually train our athletes to look confident and interestingly enough, as they look more confident, they get biofeedback, a uh, feedback going into their brain and their brain is like, "Oh, our bodies are more lifted. Oh, we're more grounded. Oh, we're breathing more fully. Wow. I must be getting more confident. And then their confidence builds. Yeah. So one of the things that we do with the ballet bar, one of the things that we do with artistic prep is to train the look of confidence and the feel of confidence, i.e. You know, breath and, and et cetera. Um, and that, that, that also helps lead to the feel.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of research, isn't there, to suggest that by um, changing and modifying the way that you're standing and the way that you're breathing, etc., will will have that impact. Like you said, the biofeedback. You know, it's the same with power poses: standing with your hands on the hips, um, standing up, you know, really, really tall, puffing your chest out, will release certain chemicals that makes you feel a certain way. And um, absolutely, yes. so absolutely. yeah, you're absolutely right there.
2: Absolutely,
1: cool.
0: and you know those times when we're. Standing at the ballet bar and everybody's saying, hurry up, you're wasting you're, you're you've gone over time, which I do all the time. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, I do all the time. Um, that those are some of those things that we're doing. We're 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 actually it's very, it's a very I think dance and artistry training is a very mindful practice. Yep. And it's about feeling, you know, you might say, you might give an athlete a correction. Like I want you to feel the weight of all five of your toes pressing into the floor. Now, as you press up into your releve, I want you to focus on getting your heel directly over the middle of your, your big toe and your second toe. I mean, that is some serious, deep, deep feeling and, and deep work that you can't often get when you're moving really quickly. Yeah. um and so sometimes people look over and it looks like we're standing still and not doing anything and sometimes there's this feeling with gymnastics coaches that that is a waste of time
1: not valuable. that's to right
0: <laughs> the that's right red. Oh, but let me just tell you after a 30 minute ballet bar oh they're sweating and they're shaking and they're crying yeah. but we need to build them up to that point absolutely and of course don't forget we're talking about activating some of the deep, stabilizing muscles in the body, which actually require, because our athletes use their prime movers so much, it actually requires a great amount of mindful mindful focus first and breath before you can activate those, those particular muscles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Very, very cool. Okay. So Talking about more about this topic, what impact do you think that you know social media has, and the pressures that are on young girls now, and the just related to just image in general, and the the judgments that that takes place on social media with their peers and their friends, and you know, do you think that also has a knock on effect with how um, or the lack of confidence that that a child could have? Because one thing that really really upsets me to the to my core is that. A young girl, let's say they're a 12, 13-year-old girl, they've got Instagram and things, they're judging their own feeling of self-worth and their confidence um, against how many likes they've got, how many people are um, you know, giving them praise, telling them they're amazing through social media, you know, liking their posts, but they're also comparing themselves constantly to all the influencers out there and they want to be an influencer with you know tens of thousands of followers. Yeah. And that really upsets me that there's so many girls young girls out there who are completely basing their self-worth worth and confidence and how that's going to set them set them up for success in life based on instagram and tiktok and things like that i mean is- do you think that also has a big impact on, on how an athlete will be able to you know be expressive and, and feel confident when they come into the gym
0: Absolutely. Look, I think this is a new world order, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, I'm very open to say that I'm turning 50 this year and I am so happy that this kind of stuff was not available when I was younger. I was gawky and awkward. I have pictures. I have some <laughs> in a box oh, hidden in the back of my closet, <laughs> you know, and I look back and I go, oh my heavens. And if I was in a space I can only think about myself. If I, if I was in a space where I was constantly having to to, to see myself reflected, you know, and, and compared and having people talk about me and, and judge me, I, I think I, because I was not such a confident young person, I think that would have really done my head in. Look, I think this is the role that many of us as educators and as coaches and teachers and supporters of young people, this is what we have to this is the 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 balance the imbalance that we need to redress yeah. you know we we have to be the ones in this crazy environment to let them know okay so maybe you know what this is a persona right you guys need to understand that yes, it's it's we, we can't not be part of social media. Social media, in fact, helps so many people with their careers and you know and, and moving forward. So those th- there is a, a place for it, mm. but you can't. But you can't also really think that that's you yep. or that people are seeing you or that the words that people are giving to you are to you. So it's it's a hard one because how do you stop how do you stop kids from not reading things about themselves and then feeling mm. you know not so great it's it's a it's a it's a tough space and and i think all we have to do is try and arm ourselves with more um, education, more tools, but more empathy and more kindness when we talk to these young girls because they're already getting a, a, a barrage of messages um, in the in the other direction. Yeah. So if we, and, and I, it's so funny, I actually, f- f- we should talk about social media, but I actually posted something on Facebook today and I had two of my former high school teachers make a comment. And it was, it, it reminded me the importance that they played, the important roles that they played in my life at that time. These were two people who I thought the sun shone out of their hearts and their minds. And they supported me and 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 led me. And, you know, honestly and truly, so much of who I am today is because people like that were in my life. Yeah adding things when things were being taken away or I thought things were being taken away, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's all about perception. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I think there's never been such a more important time that we have to develop the, the athletes mental tools to deal with these things. Cause like you said, they're going to be on social media. They're going to be, um, you know, engaging in these discussions. They're going to be, um, feeling a certain way, but we've got to give them the mental tools to, to be, um, basically resilient. And mm-hmm. to understand that, again, yeah, their self-worth is not not based on that. But here, here's what I think is the underlying problem. A lot of coaches need to have those mental tools as well, because if they don't have them, then they can't educate others on them. And unfortunately, this isn't just a young athlete thing. You know, there are many coaches that will be listening to this that have the same kind of insecurities and feelings. And, and obviously... Um, you can you can bulletproof your belief system, which is a term that I use. You can you can make yourself as resilient. But you know, everyone feels these things. It's just the way they respond to them that's different. Um, do,
0: do you know what? I, I completely agree. Look, I I've been making up routines for more years than I care to think about. Probably you know thirty seven years, and I still actually. Often don't read comments about what people say about the work that I do mm. because it, even me, I and I, sh- I, I feel like I have a fair amount of confidence. I, I have a lot of things that I have done, and I feel comfortable in my own skin. But it's actually a choice that I have to make to just actually shut some of this down and not and not engage yep. because eng- we're human. We 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 are social animals, and. The way people react to us is very important to us as, as, a, as a species. So we have, to, we have to safeguard ourselves, absolutely. But it's also helpful to know, and I guess that's why I'm saying this, it's helpful for other people to know that people such as myself, we, we, we often feel insecure. I, I, every single new routine, it doesn't matter what level of athlete I'm working with. I always get a little feeling in the pit of my belly. Oh my God, Mm -hmm. is this going to work? Am I going to, is this going to actually, can I find a way I've, I've choreographed hundreds and hundreds of routines, but I'll still have that moment where it's a blank canvas. (sighs) Okay. Okay. You know, the, the butterflies or the whatevers. And, and then you, once you get into things, you, you, do, you do what you need to do and you, you, you draw on all of your strengths. But there's always going to be a little bit of insecurity because that's what it means to be human. And so we then have to now find ways to balance that in ourselves and then in the athletes that we are being charged with. We have a huge responsibility now.
2: If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a great chance you're a gymnastics coach who is committed to bettering yourself and enhancing your skills and knowledge to improve your athlete's results. In recent years, Nick has provided advice, coaching, and education services to over 20 international gymnastics federations, sharing his experience coaching at a world-class level and many of the proven concepts and philosophies that are getting great results all around the world with his clients and community. The Gymnastics Growth Academy, Nick's brand new membership and mentoring program, is now your opportunity to learn these same teachings alongside a ton of additional information on technique, methodology, programming, physical preparation, and much, much more. To further explore the Gymnastics Growth Academy and join the fast-growing community of coaches learning from Nick's mentorship, visit gymnasticsgrowth.com.
1: I have all those feelings as well. You know, even every time I do a Facebook live, I'm thinking, "Oh, geez, (laughs) you know, you got to take a breath before you hit the button. Um, when you post, when I post a video, when I share something about my new coaching program that I've just launched, you know, and and there's thousands of people that are going to see the promo video, I take a breath and go, okay, here we go. Because the way I see it right is it's none of my business what other people think of me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, can't in, I, can, I can influence what other people think through my own behavior, but that's the only way that I can do it. I can behave mm. a certain way. I can have integrity. Mm. I can, I mm. can um, demonstrate the values and the behaviors that I feel I should put out mm. into the world and have the, you know, the right frequency and energy and all that kind of stuff. Now that's in mm. my control. I can control of that. Course. Anything beyond that, I've got no control over. Yeah, it's none of my business what some of my listeners think about me because I can't influence that any other way. Apart from the way that I behave, the way that I communicate, the way that I, you know, carry on my day to day life. So, you know, I'm not going to please everybody, but I can be my authentic self, which you, you discussed That's earlier. Right. And so these are the these are the things that coaches need to understand, and they need to embed into the athletes as well. It's like you're never going to please everybody, okay? But you are so don't even try. Yeah. You don't, so don't even try. Just yes. focus on being the best version of yourself that you can be. That's
0: 100. You know, percent. So, and you know that uh, those are such beautiful descriptions because within the artistry space. That's, mm. it, that's what it is, isn't it? You know, you've got to, the, the the kids have to find, the kids and the coaches have to find pieces of music. Oh my God, is anybody going to like the piece of music? Yeah. And then when you put the, when you put movements to that piece of music, you know, it, it's a, you, you're exposing yourself and it's really difficult to say to young children, okay, just put yourself out there and don't worry about what anybody else says when they finish And then the judge puts up the score, (laughs) you know, so it, 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 it's, it's a real, it's a real balance. And I think, you know, that, that is the, that is the challenge. I know that that's the challenge that we have with gymnasts with their technical work, but very much in particular in this artistry space where they probably don't have as much background training, they, they are not as resilient and therefore they won't be as courageous. So it's mm-hmm. not confidence. They won't be as courageous to put themselves out there and put themselves on the line and put themselves in a place where somebody might say something that is not ideally what you would like to hear. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, I think, look, all I know is that when I, when I work with athletes, especially when I was working with athletes day to day, um, everybody said, oh, your dance program must be amazing. It was like, no, no, we just tried to create a culture in the gym where it was okay to dance. Like, actually, it was just okay to, we're going to communicate with a little eye, you know, I'll stand on the end of the vaultings, I'll, I'll be across the floor and a little kid is at the end of the vaulting strip and we'll make eye contact. We'll do a little shoulder shimmy, a little smile and walk away. You know, so, so these, these these real these real important artistic preparation and artistry aspects of you know, body expressiveness and facial expressiveness and eye contact and presence, if you make it so that, that in their little environment of the gym, that that's an okay, safe space to do that, then they'll feel more bulletproof when they step into onto a bigger stage because yeah. they'll know that they have their gang behind them. They'll have their posse behind them that will be supportive of them. And you're, you know, you you mentioned earlier about coaches' language. It's so important. Um, you know, I've I've had to actually sometimes ban coaches from the creative process of creating routines because we as coaches, because I am a coach as well as a choreographer, but at the moment I'm doing choreography. Um, we tend to be prescriptive, and we tend to look for the errors but you can't error detect and correct in the creation phase. Yeah. It's just like when you're trying to write a when you're trying to write a, an article or you're trying to write a paper, the first thing you do is brainstorm, and the very first rule that your teachers would tell you is when you're in the brainstorming process, don't edit. Just free flow, let it all hang out, and then walk away and then come back and then put it into some sort of structure. And so when I work with athletes, the very first thing we'll do is we'll just dance around. And Mm -hmm. sometimes if I'll have a coach who goes, that looks a bit silly, I'll be like, and you need to actually not be here because you're (laughs) not going to... No, seriously, I've said it. I have actually said it. I'm sure you have. Because here's the deal, you, 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 I am, you want me to be JK Rowling, first of all, and you're giving me an athlete who actually doesn't know the full alphabet and doesn't have full punctuation and doesn't know sentence structure. So you've already asked me for, to do a difficult task. I'm being a bit harsh here, but you know, you've know, you asked me to do a difficult task. And mm. then just when we're starting to, to peel something, like pull something out of the kid, you just kind of squash a bowling ball on their little, on their little, their little egg, Ache of creativity. It's not going to work, my friends. So you need to boop, boop, boop. And I'm just going to give them lots of sunshine and lots of joy. And then I will use my hopefully good eyes <laughs> and the tools that many people have, have, have given me to, to help them mold what they've created into something that fulfills the requirements of what the judges want so that at least. They can get the scores that they need to. They don't make the errors that they are not supposed to. And they can entertain. And you can enter anybody can entertain anyone if you're being authentic. If you really enjoy what you're doing, there's going to be at least one person out there who's also going to enjoy it. Yes. So that's that's kind of the that's kind of the artistic little don't know, conundrum and in the, in the challenge. And I think ultimately that's what Keeps me trying to do this <laughs> when sometimes I just want to go, okay, my brain is enough. I can't do it anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, let's come back to social quickly. Yes, um, absolutely. You, we, you talked a little bit about TikTok to the coaching oh, community yes. when we were in Sydney in November. I, sure um, did. I actually really liked what you said. Now we, we've, we know the, the dangers of it in terms of all the things that we talked about before. Um, we you actually felt that there were some benefits to it as well. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. For the first time ever, children around the world en masse are doing other people's choreography and loving it. Now I understand everybody. It's not Actually, exactly what we would desire for them to be doing. <laughs> like they we, we don't want them to do TikTok style dances on the floor in their routines. And yes, they shouldn't actually be doing their little renegade dance at the end of the vaulting strip. They should be focusing on vault. I totally understand that. And I will say to athletes and coaches all the time, listen, you know what the most important thing is? The kids are actually engaging with music and movement, and that's what we want. So why don't you actually give them maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes once a week or once a session to just do their TikToks? Or better yet, why don't you get them to teach you the TikToks? Because then you're coming into their uncomfortable space. And and I think that I think that's an okay thing. Dance is dance. Movement is movement, right? Yep. Being able to do things to music—it's—it's it, it's an important part of what it is we all do. Um, it doesn't have to be your cup of tea because you know what? Not everybody loves Martha Graham, which is a you know a contemporary dance style. Nobody, not everybody loves her style. Not everybody loves butu, which is this crazy out there Japanese style of dance. But it's expressive and it's beautiful. And somebody will want to do it. <laughs> yep. So I, th- I think we, I, 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 I don't know. We we can't put our kids in these boxes. We just can't. And we all, actually, we can't do that anymore. This is the, the social media and, and all of this has made dance and movement and music so accessible to everybody. So we can't. Limit them. Why don't we work with them?
1: And mm. Yeah, kind of them. embrace uh, it, but educate at the same time in the, the kind absolutely. Of the areas. Yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah. let me just tell you, I mm. have actually, I've secretly embedded a few TikTok moves <laughs> into Floratines. And, right. I, and I could tell you right now that as, a, as, a, as an observer, you would never pick it yeah. because, you know, you elongate it and lengthen it and maybe slow it down. But you tell the child, okay, you know what? is going to be your flossing moment. (laughs) Tell anybody, (laughs) you know, and they're like, Oh, that's so cute. You know, just, just have fun, have fun, have fun and be serious. You know?
1: You mentioned that uh, coaches should kind of, you know, embrace the um, vulnerability as well. Now Mm. you've got an abundance of energy and experience. Mm. What about the coach that is listening to this? That is like, okay, Stacey, I agree with everything you're saying, but... I can't do this, <laughs> you know, like, because then obviously they have their lack of, um, let's say lack of confidence again is going to have an impact on how much they can draw out from the athlete themselves. So what would your advice be in those kind of scenarios?
0: Look, I don't know if it's advice so much as it's my current calling. Um, uh, there's a part of me, and I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this openly, there's a part of me that's a bit angered at our, at our gymnastics education, that somehow this whole concept of artistic preparation and artistic development and the, the, the theory and the science and the practicality and the technical behind all of it has been lost. So we have a whole generation of coaches who actually don't know where to start. They, yep. they, they don't know what a tondu is. They don't know what a plie is. And look, I'm a coach. The only reason I know these things is because I was a dancer, but also I then ended up spending more time trying to learn more about this because I know that this is the underpinning style of our sport. Hip hop is not the underpinning style of artistic gymnastics. That's why, we get a one, that's why we get a deduction for a lack of 180-degree split. Mm. That's why if your body isn't elongated in an arabesque, if, you're, if your feet are loose, that, that's a deduction. It, because the ballet aesthetic is the aesthetic that our sport is based upon. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do a ballet routine, but they need to, the, the athletes need to have the mechanics behind ballet movement right? And I, I feel for coaches because you're asking people to upskill themselves in a very rapid way um, in, in an area that they may not even particularly enjoy so much. Yep. Um, look, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm definitely trying to stop running around and, and just doing things for other people. And I I believe now that it's about getting a curriculum and a syllabus that's gymnastic specific that coaches can understand and feel that they could apply, or they can they when they bring a dance person into work with their athletes, it's the right dance person, mm-hmm. and they're giving the right instruction and direction to those gymnasts because there's nothing worse. Because it happens all the time. Dance, dance teachers come in because gym, gym coaches, we instinctively know, okay, ballet is important. Okay, so I don't know anything about it. Who am I going to go to? Okay, I'll just go to a local dance studio. I'll get a ballet teacher. They'll come in. The ballet teacher has no idea about the sport. The coaches can't direct the ballet teacher uh, in what areas they should be using in what areas they should not be, then the kids are doing stuff that they're really bored with. And then it's Mm -hmm. not enough. And then everybody just fizzles and it's done, you know? So there are a number of sports specific dance people within our industry. They're just not enough. Um, So I feel like that's kind of now my calling. So, but my advice to coaches is you actually have to, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit this is an area that is supremely important. That's the very first thing. Mm -hmm. And it's an area that perhaps you're not as upskilled in. And if you you can admit that, then you can move on from there. Maybe you start reading. (laughs) You know, if you don't know how to coach a Tkachev, but you got to coach at Tkachev, you start studying. It's just that simple. You start looking for drills. You start asking people. You start getting advice. You start experimenting, you know, with the same thing in this area. Um it's a skill that we love. Yeah, A hundred a hundred percent. And actually, I try and remind coaches, you are really good. You're experts at teaching lines, angles, forces. That's what we do. Right? So if you can just get past the worry of the word plie and just realize that a plie is just the bending of the knees and the hips and the ankles. We do it in a landing. So when you tell the athletes to stick their landing, when I coach the athletes, I'll I'll tell them to do more plie or have a strong plie. I'm telling them the same thing, right? I try and embed the language of dance into their gymnastics. I don't call them calve raises. I'll probably call them releves. They're exactly the same mechanic. And we coach that all the time. So coaches, once you understand the terminology and you understand the technique behind some of these things, you, you can coach it easily. Yep. You know, when you're, when, when you're doing, when you're doing uh, hiccups, um, uh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm losing my international
1: vernacular. Well, a hiccup, we have, uh, we call it a mo, a mo in the UK. So, some people might call so it a
0: yeah. a shoot up, right a to yeah. toe shoot up and you right and and the the, the the biomechanical requirement or the technical requirement is that your legs you know go from the front to the side to the back behind you and they don't drop right? Well, in the dance world that's called a rond rendezjambe. Mm-hmm. Ronde being round a circular Jean mean leg. It's a circular movement of your leg. Your leg goes to the front, moves to the side, moves to the back. If the athletes know how to rond de properly, then they can do the mo, is it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's only the UK that calls it that but yes.
0: That's okay. Um <laughs> you know, as if you're going to do a straddle to catch up, it's the same kind of action. You know? So I think uh, rather than looking for the differences between dance and gymnastics, if we can find the similarities and introduce coaches to the similarities and mm. get coaches to feel comfortable with yes, coaches a grand battement is actually a kick. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. You know how to coach a kick? You can coach a grand ma. I know it's to music, but, you know, I had to learn how to count. You can learn how to count too. It's, you know, it's a skill. Yes. We're all on this journey just as the same as the athletes are on this journey. We want to come out of this experience better and, and, and more educated and richer and pushed out of our comfort zones. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm presuming that's what everybody wants to do. That's where growth lives, right?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone wants to go there, but it's the ones that you well, go there that are probably the ones that are going to, they're going to grow. You're right. Growth is, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. It's, um, it's my brand. At you want to be successful? The gymnastics Growth well, Academy. You, this is the Gymnastics Growth it. Show. It's, it's, yeah, it's there for a that's reason. It. Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and, and, and in order for, in order to grow, you want to, you, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. uncomfortable that's like that's one right. of, that's one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. You know, the more you spend time in an uncomfortable zone, the more comfortable that uncomfortable zone becomes. And that's just learning. That's just growth. That's just development. Mm. So avoiding the things that you're uncomfortable with actually means you don't want to move forward. You want some sort of fairy tale. (laughs) I can be wonderful and fantastic and I don't have to be uncomfortable. That's, you know.
1: Pixie and the more, the more you live there in that zone, the more uh, tolerant you become and, you, you know, your threshold to uncomfortable situations changes. And therefore, of course. You, you know, the next time you're in that environment, you're not uncomfortable because your threshold's gone up. So it's, uh, that, yes, that's absolutely. exactly right.
0: And, I, and look, I, Nick, I think that's, again, that's exactly where gymnasts need to live when they're trying to move and dance and express You know, so some of the dance workshops that I'll do, some of the kids are like, oh my God, Stacey, this is so uncomfortable. (laughs) You're making me shake my hips or roll around or move my body in ways that, you know, feel not so normal. I'm like, that's perfect because out of that non-normal feeling, you do it enough, it'll become normal. And that's what you want.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Mm. Just a Mm -hmm. final question. Um, with regards to you said about embedding this into people's programs more than they already do. So obviously, yes. you know, coaches get on bars every day. They get on beam every mm-hmm. day. They do their physical preparation every day. You're basically alluding to the fact that this needs to be just as embedded, just as integral to the athletes program as any of those other bits of apparatus. So for the girls, it's the, is the fifth apparatus artistic Ast- preparation, girls? Yeah. the girls,
0: and the boys. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But let's not even talk about the boys, but uh, no, absolutely. A hundred percent.
1: So what 100%. kind of, um, uh, I mean, is, is that right? You would, ex- you would expect to do this. You would want to do this daily, even if you're just doing a little bit, but the frequency is obviously really, really important to you.
0: Absolutely. Look, um, and, and of course, most of us are doing some aspects. So of course, in within an artistry training program, you're talking about Things like activities like sports-specific ballet exercises. You're talking about floor bar exercises. In the dance world, a floor bar is, I guess, the sort of stuff that we would do in our warm-ups or, you know, body shaping or leg tension kind of work, and they take it a little bit further, yes. So you might do, you know, kicks on knees and all that sort of stuff. So a really well-sequenced floor bar. Um, Some dance-based physical preparation drills. So you're doing your physical prep to train the dance specific activities that you need to do, right? Right. Um, Your basic locomotions with your line drills, which everybody does, but you might want to do your line drills or your locomotions with a little bit more flair because obviously – we've got skills and tumbling that then needs beautiful movements and transitions. If we don't have a place to practice that, you can't expect the choreographer to just magically create that. Um, You've got your flexibility training. You've got your tech, your technical element preparation. So your leaps, your jumps and your turns, and then just a place where you're doing your choreography for floor routines and beam routines. And then some sort of musicality training, some sort of music training, some sort of eye contact, work, body expressiveness, facial expressiveness. So with all of these things that need to happen over a gymnast career, you can't possibly expect them to have all of these things to put in a routine if it's not fully embedded in a program from the day they walk into the gym. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, well, I mean, you can, and what you'll get is what we have right now. Um, I was doing a bit of I was doing a bit of research um, for just something that I was I don't know I was putting together for some coaches and I was looking up um, just different articles that were out there about artistry and check out this headline Artistry fades as gymnasts push boundaries. And this was somebody who wrote something in the New York Times. All right. Why, to, well, how about this one? Why today's gymnastics routines insult dance? Somebody from Dance Magazine, right? Out of step, female gymnasts used to be fantastic dancers. How did the floor exercise get so graceless? Are you kidding? Mm. These poor, young, beautiful children are being subjected to this because we are a little bit nervous about stepping out of our comfort zone and putting this daily into a program. That's not okay. You yeah. want to talk about confidence and you want to talk about putting, exposing children to, to to things that are going to be, you know, people that are going to be mean and say mean things. Look at those headlines. That's awful. Mm. And that's that's not on them. You know how many coaches tell me, "Oh my, that gymnast can't dance." Actually, she can't, but when she came to you, she also couldn't double back, but she can now. So how can yep. she can double back and she can't dance? Is it on her or is it on you? Sorry coaches, now I'm on my I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> 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 but it's but again, it is because this is such a, a sensitive area for girls, right? Yeah. And they they do, they do feel somewhat embarrassed to step out and do a routine because they know they don't have the background. So it is our responsibility. It's imperative that we give them that background, Mm -hmm. which means we need to upskill ourselves.
1: That's it. Powerful messages there, Stacey, and a great time to end this podcast together um just want to say this has been great um i love the energy that you've got even through the microphone and the headphones (laughs) i can feel your presence and we're very very far away from each other Um, yes indeed thank you thank you you. no thank you thanks for um for sharing so openly um and you know basically making people reflect and think about their own programs and what they can do to to make a difference so i hope the listeners have enjoyed this podcast i certainly have um, but still, i wish you the Absolutely. very best of luck with your continued work and just want to say one more time thank you very much for being on the gymnastics growth show much appreciated
0: gozamos. thank you so much everybody good luck with everything that you're doing out there
2: thanks for listening to the gymnastics growth show with nick reddock We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if so, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help support the positive messages found within these episodes. Assuming you're not driving or out for a run right now, why don't you head on over to gymnasticsgrowth.com to check out the valuable membership and mentoring opportunity delivered by Nick himself, which is impacting coaches and athletes all over the world. Thanks for sharing some of your day with us and we look forward to you coming back for future coaching conversations on the Gymnastics Growth Show.